Hello, this is Curtis Hill for the Unity Project podcast, and I'm joined here today with, by, by my good friend, Dr. Raleigh Washington. And uh, Raleigh, great to see you here today. Well, Curtis, it's blessed for me, a blessing for me to be with you, my thank brother. You, thank you so much. Thank uh-huh. you so much. And we're here at the AmeriFest, and uh, Dr. Washington has had an opportunity to address the audience. And we're going to chat a little bit about uh, why he's here and some of the things on his mind. So, Raleigh, uh, why don't you give us an idea of what brings you to AmeriFest and why you think it's so important to participate? Well, my new ministry, relatively new ministry, is called Awakening the Voice of Truth. And it is all about the fact that what the church is missing in this hour is addressing the plethora of false narratives with the Word of God. Mm. And they're doing it because pastors are uh, in fear. Pastors do not want to uh, cause any problems. They don't want to speak if it sounds political. And as a result, they are not addressing these issues. And these plethora of false narratives uh, are creating division at every level, and the division is becoming toxic. And not only division, can you get a little bit more into detail? I mean, there's division, but what is it actually doing to America? These 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 false narratives are, are give us a little bit more meat on what it that's is, doing. It is impacting our nation. You know, as I said really on the platform, we are facing a time when division is very toxic and it is from the outhouse to the White House and everything in between. You see, it is affecting marriages, it's affecting family, it's affecting the church, it's affecting the school, certainly it's affecting the government. Nothing is more toxic than Republican versus Democrat. And so uh, the issue is we need to take a deep breath, calm down, step back and realize that the answer is in God's Word. You know, the motto of our nation is in God we trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've forgotten about it, and it's asleep. But, it, but in 1956, the Congress, Senate and House, voted unanimously, without debate, to adopt in God we trust as our motto. Because that's who we are. That's what we felt. That's what we were doing. We've gotten far away from that. I, I wonder mean, what that vote would be today. It, well, I'll tell you. And, and today, what we're doing is we're killing babies. Uh, uh, we're telling a man, man he can be a woman. We're telling a woman she can be a man. And it's lawful and it's protected because we've forgotten our motto that we are a people who have placed our trust in God. We need to understand that. We need to revive that and to understand that the answer is truly in the Word of God today. The greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Second one's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We don't see that. We talk, racism is everywhere. And when racism is everywhere, it's nowhere. So we're not dealing with it. I don't think... Um, Racism is systemic in America, except one place, Planned Parenthood. Mm. But racism is not systemic because there are no laws to back it up. Uh, And so when we say it's systemic, that's a false narrative. And so we need to 
knock that out and understand that racism is only in one place, in the hearts of individuals. And, you, and, and are you seeing the weaponization of race as uh, being utilized by the left to destroy the family? Absolutely. It is destroying the family. I spoke at a conference um, uh, yesterday before coming here, and, and I talked about the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and I asked this question, you know, there were 80, 90 people in this uh, seminar. I said, since the death of George Floyd and the emergence of Black Lives Matter and all that took place and the teaching of critical race theory, dealing with race, saying racism is systemic, since all of that has taken place, tell me, has the relationship between the races become better or worse? As though they had rehearsed it, they spoke loud in unison and said, worse. And that's what we're facing. We're facing a, a constant breakdown and relationships between the races are getting wider because of the plethora of false narratives. We need the Word of God to address those narratives so that we can really deal with truth. Once, uh, you know, Satan is the author of false narratives. Uh, he's a liar, he's a murderer, and the father of lies. That's what Jesus called him. And so there's this classic battle between Satan and Jesus. We need to understand that. He, he took his false narrative into the garden. Adam and Eve bought the message, and the result was the fall of mankind. He took that same false narrative into the wilderness with Jesus. Didn't work because Jesus shot him down. Every time he gave a false narrative, Jesus says, it is written. He beat him down with the truth. That's what we have to do, speak the truth. Where is the truth, Raleigh? I, mean, I agree with you completely. We're seeing uh, church congregations all over the country that seem to be so far afield of what the truth is. Um, what do you attribute that to? I mean, uh, there was a time, uh, you're, you're, you're a few years older than me, but I go back to a time when the church was stronger. Oh, yes. When the church was about family, when the yes. church... When the church uh, uh, was engaged in the community, when, when community members depended on the Word of God. Yes. What has happened, and, and how do we turn this around? We have fallen so far away, Curtis, from truth. We have pastors. The Bonner Report says this. Over 60% of pastors do not preach from a biblical worldview. Let me say that again. Over 60% of pastors are not preaching from a biblical worldview. That makes me ask the question, where are they preaching from? They're preaching from what their own thoughts are. They're preaching, they're tickling ears, they're making people feel happy, and they're not applying the truth of God's Word to destroy false narrative. So we, that, need, that needs to be turned around. And so, and so we have congregations that are even looking at the leadership in their churches that are getting bad information wrong information or wrong leadership. That is so very true. And to diffuse the, neg the negative effect of false narrative, they need the unadulterated Word of God. They need the truth, and they're not getting the truth. 
they're not getting to do. They're hearing on TikTok and on social media all of the lies, and our young people are believing those lies. Well, let me ask you this question. Uh, when did the black community believe that abortion was the right thing to do? Where did that come from? I grew up where that was not what they believed at all. But today, they're hearing it because of the indoctrination of the left, which saying that it is only and all about a woman's health and her right to her own body. But don't they, but, but but aren't we really talking about? I mean, you you know these statistics. Uh, in the last 50 years, abortion has destroyed 20 million black lives. That's right. In 1960. The entire population of the United States of America was about 18, 19 million people. So we destroyed in 50 years the entire population that we had in this country of blacks in 1960. Yes. That's a genocide. Yes. And it's self-inflicted. Yes. When, when we have folks like Stacey Abrams and others talking about voter suppression, how can there be a greater example of voter suppression than to wipe out the existence of 20 million potential voters all in one fell swoop? The problem almost totally and singularly rests at the feet of African-American pastors who are not preaching the word. They're not preaching the word because many African-American churches, a vast majority of them, women outnumber the men 10 to 1. So the men are not there. And so the pastor is saying, I don't want to bring up a subject that will make women uncomfortable. And I don't, uh, because many of them have had abortions or have family members that had abortions. So they shy away from speaking the truth. The day is here where we need to realize, as African Americans, we are in genocide, and it seems as if we don't know or don't care. The problem lies and the fault is at the feet of African-American pastors who are, for whatever reason, refusing to preach this word. Now, we have, uh, to get into, into a political frame, and I don't want to get too political on this, but we have a lot of people who think red and vote blue. Yes. Or another way of putting it, they have a, they have a conservative mindset and yet vote for people who don't support that value system. Is there a problem with the messaging of the conservative movement that that inhibits, if you will, uh, the black community from, from grabbing a hold of the truth. That is, I, I think that is very true. Uh, oftentimes as conservatives, we and our very popular commentators will hear a bogus allegation of racism. And they will respond to that by shooting it down but they shoot it down in such a way that it leaves people thinking they believe racism does not exist anywhere. That's proper. Racism is not everywhere, but it is something. Uh, it is, it is, so we need to understand there are bogus allegations, shoot that down, but where, where we find it, let's deal with it. Like Planned Parenthood. All in the hearts of certain individuals who are white there is racism. And it's not going to change until there's a bona fide, genuine, committed relationship across those racial lines. I have lived it. I understand that dynamic. 
You know, I lived during the time of Jim Crow. I sat in the back of the bus. I drank from different water fountains. I couldn't look a white person in their face. So I understand that dynamic. But that no longer exists. Time has changed, and we are no longer victims. And what the left is telling us, we have to accept the victim mentality, and maybe we'll get some reparations or something of that nature. It'll never happen. May it never be. And so the problem at the feet of not pastors, especially black pastors, who are not preaching the word. We, as a people, are in genocide. We're killing ourselves one single solitary reason, and that is abortion. Over 20 million. That's, that's a little over, that's, that's more, a little over a third of all the abortions are done by African-American women that only make up 7% of the population. So, well, uh, and that's, that's a disproportionate number. And I know, you know, I'm from the uh, prosecution world, being a former prosecutor, I used to hear about disproportionate uh, incarceration rates all the time. And there are disproportionate right. incarceration rates. 38% of, of the incarcerated men are black as compared to 13% of the population. Same exact percentage of black abortions, 38%. Wow. But nobody talks about the disproportionate number of black abortions right. as compared to the number of black women, as you just described. And that's a perfect example of a missing element in this whole debate. And, and a lot of that is because, according to Walter Hoy, a number of African-American pastors are culpable because uh, they have paid for abortions because of their misbehavior uh, uh, in. And uh, 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 when that happens, then he can't preach about it. Well, and, and, and we're, not, we're not seeing bold and courageous from the pulpit because the reality is uh, we, both know, we both know pastors who, who understand what the truth is but there's, they're, they're afraid of their congregations. Uh, they're afraid that if they bring up um, the truth of the matter, that they'll cause a church split, and that is a reality. I right. mean, that has been an unfortunate history within the black church of being able to maintain uh, that consistency. Um, but, it, but it's about leadership. It is. A pastor in this day, in most days, but especially in this day, cannot answer the call of God on his life if he adopts fear. We have to preach the word of God, even if it costs us our life. We must preach the word of God in an uncompromising way. Just as Esther said, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to do what's right in the sight of Almighty God. And I think that even though the, I think the, the dynamic is much more impacting within the black community, uh -huh. I think the same dynamic exists within the greater church community. Yes. This is not a singularly black issue uh, regarding the black church. We have, uh, I've had lots of conversations with others, and this idea of a more liberalized church viewpoint mm -hmm. or a non-biblical worldview right. is a danger across the board. Do you Absolutely. agree with that? Totally and completely. Oh, and, and so the ultimate problem lies in not having a biblical worldview. See, everyone has a worldview. Right. You'll adopt that. I mean, you'll see the world, and you'll make it an interpretation on your own. But if you're brought up right, and if you understand right, especially from the church perspective, 
and you develop a biblical worldview, then you will evaluate everything you say, everything you do. What do you say though? Based the, on the Word of God. What do you say to these pastors who who try to rely on the Word of God uh, by indicating that? Uh, um, well, uh, we're not supposed to get involved in politics. Uh, we're supposed to uh, render unto Caesar and the whatnot. Uh, uh, those are pastors who don't, who don't understand the word or refuse to adopt the word. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, he's going to sit on the throne of David and the government will be upon his shoulders. I believe pastors have to be involved in politics, not telling people who to vote for, but tell them how to vote. We must vote based on our biblical values. If indeed a person has a platform that is evil and violates the word of God, my biblical values will not allow me to vote for that person, and we have to preach that. And that's not happening, certainly in the African-American community. Now, Raleigh, you're involved in uh, many activities. Uh, can you share with us uh, uh, what types of involvement you have or, or organizations that you currently uh, uh, are involved in? Uh, certainly. I'm a pastor at heart, pastor emeritus of uh, Rock Church. Uh, uh, I spent 24 years with Promise Keepers, a national men's organization, all about uh, drawing men closer to the Lord and living out seven promises uh, uh, to be a a godly man uh, uh, with, with his family and with his church. Um, I uh, initiated with Coach Bill McCartney a ministry called The Road to Jerusalem, all about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith mm. and the fact that God wants us as believers to stand with God's chosen people. Uh, and I'm now leading a ministry that's called uh, Awakening the Voice of Truth. It's all about applying truth against false narratives. And I'm the chaplain for a minister called Foundations of Freedom. And that's uh, uh, designed to recapture our freedom in the culture, which has been taken away from us bit by bit. Uh, and, ways. and the culture is on a downward spiral. Foundations of Freedom is going to turn, is a ministry to turn that around. Super. And, uh, and one final question. You know, we're here with, with the Unity Project, and the Unity Project is about medical freedom yes. and parental rights. Can you, uh, uh, do you have a, a, a thought on, uh, on the state of parental rights and medical freedom in this country? Uh, it desperately needs what the Unity Project is all about, desperately, to have the, uh, the, the, the physicians that you have who are boldly speaking the truth about life, about medicines, about parental rights for the medical care and all that takes place. That's needed like never ever before. We're living in a time when a good friend of mine who's pastor at age 62 says, I'm retiring. He said, well, wait a minute, you're still healthy. Why are you doing it? He says, I can no longer be a part of the profession that I love because it's very popular uh, in the medical field now for doctors to brag about removing the breath of healthy teenage girls mm. as young as 14 years of age. And he says, that's happening and it's legal and I can no longer be a part of that profession. So uh, the Unity Project that has passes dealing with truth, uh, uh, calling that what it is, is desperately needed. 
our laws are allowing us to mutilate our teenage girls. That's wrong, and that's against the Word of God. Well, Raleigh Washington, thank you so much for your participation and your leadership, and uh, I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Curtis, it's been my pleasure, my brother. Thank you, sir. From all of us at The Unity Project, thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope to continue producing content that amplifies voices, strategies, and resources. Please keep in mind that The Unity Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies on the contributions of our generous supporters to fuel the work we do in this movement. If you value our efforts, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today by visiting our website at www.unityproject.com and clicking the donate button. We very much appreciate your continued support and confidence, without which our work wouldn't be possible.